Hey, welcome to the podcast. In just two short days, my brand new EP called The Freedom EP will be available anywhere you get music. So mark your calendar for Friday, February 9th. It'll be out three brand new tracks. I'm very excited for you to hear them. Um, A couple other things. You can also uh, come see a couple live events coming up in March. I have Toledo, Ohio and East Lansing on the schedule and more in the works. Today, we're talking about uh, we're talking about conversion therapy. And we've been talking about this all week. Uh, It's a it's an interview from. A really good friend of mine did a podcast of hers. Her name's Stephanie. She has a podcast called Focus on Your Own Family. And today we are continuing a three, a five-part conversation. And today is part three. So if uh, if you struggle with this, I just want to give you a bit of a trigger warning. Here we go. For everyone born, a place at the table. Then the catastrophic anxiety is where you spiral into the worst case scenario. For instance, let's say you're going over, let's say you're about to go over a large bridge, and as you're about to go over the bridge, you start to think, oh my gosh, the bridge is going to collapse. If the bridge collapses, I'm going to do this, and this is how I'm going to survive, and if I don't do this, then I'm going to die, and everything's going to be ruined, and then my kids are going to grow up without a mom, and that's catastrophic anxiety Mm -hmm. believing the worst thing is going to happen and people with catastrophic anxiety should absolutely seek help no therapist should ever give you catastrophic anxiety that is a recipe for disaster so so what he was doing was using the fear using the anxiety to get me he basically he said if you choose to be trans that's what's going to happen to you. No. You're, yeah. And so that's, that was my therapy. That was my therapy for another six to seven months. Every week was about my platform and how I will lose it all if I make the decision to transition. And if I choose my sin, the way they would frame it is if you choose your sin, you won't be a pastor anymore. And this is all of the shit that's going to happen. I'm going to use, pardon me, I'm going to use like an evangelical term. It is what it is though. But I probably said six during this thing. So whatever. (laughs) I know. It should be like a swear jar. It's every time you say evangelical term. We say a swear, but you let it go. But if we say an evangelical thing, you should be. Right. (laughs) If you tell me that you're going to do life with somebody, I'm going to throw, you're going to have to throw coins. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) It's very demonic. Yeah. It's so oppressive. I don't know if there's, I don't know if there's heaven. I don't know if there's hell. I don't know if there's demon. You know what I'm saying? Like, but that's the only word. Pardon me. Yeah. Pardon me, y'all. But I was literally born and raised inside the evangelical movement. I've been out for three and a half years. I don't know any other vernacular. I'm still learning words. I feel like a preschooler, to be perfectly honest with you. But it, that feels heavy and oppressive and demonic. I want to circle back to something really quick. And it's interesting how the picture of the quote sloppy woman that they painted is the very thing that in every woman's group, every woman's conference, every pre-marriage counseling for women, we are given that picture and told never be that because if you become that your husband's going to start looking for somebody who actually takes care of themselves. Right. Never let yourself go. Right. 
So it's interesting that they painted a picture of the very woman that we're supposed to reject. Like if a woman comes in and we all see her and she looks like that, we immediately, like women will turn their back to that person. Mm. She is seen as less than Right. Just because she's wearing sweats and a sweatshirt. Right. And this gets down to the body shaming in the evangelical world, especially in this whole Dobson stuff. So he was even trying to convince me that I wouldn't make a pretty girl. He was trying to tell me like, hey, if you transition, it was another one of these fear things was like, and this is stuff I heard my whole process of coming out. Like, you'll never be pretty. You'll never be pretty. And he tried to convince me they would, this is how they would do it. So what do you think you would look like if you were to transition? Do you think that you would be pretty? But the way they would frame it was like, do you think that you would be someone who could attract a suitable partner? That's the questions they would ask. So then the way the question is framed to you, there's only one answer and you're supposed to pick the correct answer because at the end of the counseling, my, my therapist is writing a letter to give to my pastor. So I have to give him the right answers that he wants in order to keep my job. That's the coercion of all of this. And that's... It's not... It's what, that. By the way, that is... That's not confidential. No. And it, by law, again... <laughs> again. This is why we don't go to biblical counselors, my friends, Thank because you. it is not confidential. And they, like a lot of times parents send their children to biblical counselors and they don't have a code of ethics. I'll let you talk to my dog for $125 an hour if you want. Yeah, It would be far better for you to talk to my dog than to go to biblical counseling. Biblical counselors should not be giving advice on how to cut your lawn, let alone how to live your life. They aren't qualified. It's not real. They're not real. They're not real. (laughs) I mean, they're, yeah. Yeah. You've hit my hot button. (laughs) Yeah. Let's just keep hitting those buttons. For it. Yeah. Let's just buckle up. Let's go for this. (laughs) So I'm in the second round of therapy, right? And we are, we are in anxiety mode. Mm -hmm. I am now watching this platform building around me and building around me, getting bigger and bigger. So every time a new opportunity comes, the fear in the background for me gets even deeper and harder and more difficult. And now, because I'm delivered, right? So six Mm -hmm. months after that, it was the same thing. The platform started getting bigger. There were more opportunities at music and in church that I needed to do for a career or whatever. So now, I'm like doing these purity things. I'm doing some like tour stuff with my band. And my message, I am being coached and advised to give my testimony during the worship sets because it will be impactful. So I'm standing in front of thousands of people every night saying how God delivered me from cross-dressing. Thousands of people everywhere hearing how God delivered me from this. I went, I, it was a long road, but God delivered me. He, he split the sea so I could walk right through it. And then you go into that song or whatever. So that's what I was doing. I was sharing my story every night about how I was delivered. But I wasn't. I, I was doing it because it got the cheer of the crowd. It's what the crowd wanted to hear. 
it's what sold CDs because we were selling CDs back then. Like it was what kept, it's what gave us a unique thing to offer in our worship sets. It's marketable. Yeah. And long story short, I, some toxic stuff that would be a whole nother podcast that we could do another time, but like of how my band fell apart is a whole dumpster fire of its own two hour podcast, but which is some fun evangelical stuff. But, <laughs> but yeah, I end up, here's the other thing that starts happening in this season. There was this teaching in the convergent therapy inside of the church that said, if you are struggling with sexual immorality and you're a guy, you need to get married and you need to start having sex and all of your problems will go away. This is what was sold to us. It was being preached from stage, was being told to me inside of my last few months of conversion therapy. It says, you need to find a woman and you need to get married and you need to start having sex because you need to be experiencing the proper order of sexuality is what I was being told. And I'm like, okay, here we go. Two years after conversion therapy, I'm like, I, I end up getting married. I end up to a woman that I loved and we have kids. Two years after I left that conversion therapy session, my dysphoria goes freaking batshit crazy because so, now, yeah. <laughs> how long was it you reconnect with a girl? Because mm-hmm. you had known her from before, mm-hmm. if I remember right. We had dated how- and it went terribly. And then we reconnected again because I had to find a wife. <laughs> yeah. How long before like you, the day one you reconnect and then you're married. What was the span? Yeah, it was like five or six months. It was fast. Because I remember my mother asking me, when's the baby due? Because she was like so confused why we're getting married so fast. But inside of our church and inside of therapy, our pastor's like, don't delay it. Just get married as fast as you can. You don't want to get tempted. You need to go and have sex with each other as fast as possible. He was like, I'll marry you today if you want. And we were like, no. We want to have a wedding, but yeah. but yeah, so it was fast. The The second reconnection between my ex, unfortunately it's my ex-wife now, and the time we got married was like five to six months. It was fast. And so we're married and I end up leaving this church because of all the other, some stuff that we can talk another day, but I end up at the biggest mega church in America. I'm working at Life Church in Oklahoma City which is if any church people are listening, like Pastor Craig Rochelle's church, I'm like leading worship at the main campus. And then I end up at another campus in another city. I was at like six campuses throughout my whole time there. But my we do that whole thing. And then we end up moving back to Michigan because we were having our third baby. And we're like, okay, it's just time to move back. And my dysphoria just... I, this was about two years. Okay. So two is that same cycle. About two years comes and my dysphoria goes wild again. And, but this time I didn't have a private place to present how it's comfortable for the last two years. So I had a friend who was getting married in Florida and I was like, I can't handle this anymore. 
when I the plane landed in Orlando, I rented a car. I drove to a Walmart. I bought clothes and shoes. And I wore them on my three-hour drive. It was the only safe place for me to do it for two years. And I feel alive again. Like, I just, I, like, I literally slept in the car because I didn't want to change. I didn't want to put, I didn't want to go back to boy mode. It was just so painful to, like, go back. And I get back home, and apparently I had forgotten to throw away a receipt. And my wife found it, and all kinds of questions came up. And sadly, because of the way I was counseled in therapy, conversion therapy taught me not to give it words. You don't talk about it. You don't give it life. And outside of my testimony, I was delivered. But she didn't know because I never talked about it with her. I never talked about my gender problem. We talked about sin and lust in the past, but she wasn't on tour with me. She never heard the story. I was sharing it for a thousand people. She never heard it because the only avenue I ever talked about it was in front of thousands of people, (laughs) but she wasn't there. So she didn't know. Wow. And this poor girl is getting blindsided a few years into our marriage. And um, so I get the ultimatum from my wife. That's, um, and it's always an ultimatum with conversion therapy. It was, if you don't go back to your therapy, I'm going to divorce you. And I'm a pastor. Can't get divorced and keep your job. This time it's not about, it is all about the money still, but I'm going to lose my job again as a pastor if this comes out. If I get divorced, I'm going to have to tell people why. And the third round of conversion therapy was very different than the first two. Conversion therapy when you're married and a pastor is a whole new ball game. Well, today uh, we talked about a lot of difficult topics. And if you're somebody who is, uh, is a victim of conversion therapy and you haven't had proper mental health uh, support, please reach out and I'd be happy to help you find support in your journey. This is a production of Whaley Media. We'll be back tomorrow with part four of this conversation. We'll see you tomorrow.